0: An accident happened in 1989, January, 1989, 34 years ago right now. I was probably still in the ICU at Herman Hospital. And um, so uh, I didn't write a book until I wrote it in 2003, published it in 2004. I remember the very day back in the old temporary buildings out on the corner of the old temporary buildings that were here for like 30 years, the temporary 30-year buildings. And... um, When Norma said, Don, you have a package? And I said, I have a package, I'll get it in a minute. And I went on to do something else and I walked back through the lobby area. She says, are you gonna get this package? I said, I'm on my way, I'll come back and get it. So I I picked up the package and um, I'm zipping it open on the way back to my office. And I reached inside of it and I pulled out 90 minutes in heaven. Obviously I'd never seen it before Uh, That was in uh, 2003, um, and it it was released shortly thereafter in 2004. So I waited from 1989 into 2004 to talk about heaven, essentially. Um, I'll tell you why. How do you describe a heavenly place with earthly words? And do it justice, really. It took me that long to kind of arrive at how to even approach it, and I still feel that way. You know, Marco Polo was one of the greatest conquerors and travelers and adventurers in history. Um, Scientists tell us that a huge percentage of the world population is descended from him, so he he was all over the world, but he was dying, and... uh, He had told a lot of stories about being all over the world, incredible adventures, great stories, unbelievable, truly unbelievable things. And so one of his closest confidants leaned down on his uh, Polo's deathbed and said, look, uh, you could tell me. I mean, how much of that stuff was made up? Uh, Did you really do all that stuff? And, And Marco Polo said, I haven't told the half of it. I kind of feel that way when it comes to talking about heaven. I mean, I'll finish tonight and trust me, I haven't even scratched the surface. It's just that awesome. It's that wonderful. It's that beautiful. I can't wait to go back there. I did not want to come back here. If you've been there, you don't want to be here. I'm glad I did. I've got six grandchildren that I didn't have then. And I've had a lot of wonderful experiences and yeah, travel all over the world and so i 'm blessed indeed, but i 'd still rather be there. This is a screen grab from the movie Ninety Minutes in Heaven, and um, the, all of it 's computer generated the, the background is, and the people in the foreground are real real people there that 's not computer generated um, that 's the good news The bad news is. The wardrobe people at the movie, uh, who produced the movie, felt like they really needed to dress these people up in nice clothes. People don't wear clothes like that in heaven. Um, They wear long, white robes, more about that later. So you just have to use your imagination. Um, I arrived uh, simultaneously with the collision on, on Texas 19 on the old Trinity River Bridge, accident, took my last breath on the bridge my next breath we're at the gates of heaven uh, i think a lot of people pass away and it's a process sometimes it takes days and you see it and then when they do take their last breath a lot of times there's a sense that you just see them rising or they're looking out and seeing things i absolutely believable because i believe that they are and uh, you can't see them but they can it's a holy moment really but that didn't happen for me I, I had a—I kissed an 18-wheeler head-on, and so I was there. And now I'm here, at the gates uh, of heaven, greeted by people who have known me and loved me in life and had helped me get there. They get there. People ask me all the time, "How old were they?" Not. there's no age. Now, it's hard for us to wrap our brains around that here because we're all very much, I mean, your driver's license has your age on it, you know? You have a birth certificate. Um, There's just no age in heaven. I mean, no babies are born there. No old people die there. In fact, nobody dies there. So there's just no age. You're gonna have to discipline yourself to forget about age. That shouldn't take too long for most of us. We don't like to think about it that much anyway. In heaven, you won't have to, there is no age in heaven. No birth, no death, there is no age. Some people think that we'll be about the age that Jesus was when he was crucified, which is around 33 and a half years old, Maybe. I don't know. I mean, everybody that I saw at the gates of heaven appeared to be ageless. People had been really old. My great-grandmother walked like this on earth because she had osteoporosis. She could not stand up straight. She was a good six inches taller in heaven because she was standing up straight, and she was perfect. She didn't have any (laughs) real teeth here, but, boy, the smile she gave me in heaven was awesome because it was real. I had never seen it before. So, just trying to forget about age. You won't be an age in heaven. The, the Bible says that we'll be like him in 1 Corinthians 15. So we need to accept that. Um, uh, John 3:2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. See, we don't know. But we do know that when he appears, we shall be like him. So whatever age it is that he is, and he's not an age, he's eternal, we'll be like that. For we shall see him as he is. And we'll see everybody else as they are too. So it's an ageless place. There's no age. The people that met me at the gates of heaven. Do you ever think about this? Heaven is, was Satan's home. Yeah, he was there. He was one of the great angels of heaven. Uh, He and his followers were cast out, thrown out of heaven because they wanted to be God and so they left. So keep in mind that even, even Satan knows how great heaven is and he'd like to keep you from going there, all of us, the world, from going there. So the Bible talks about hell as much if not more as it talks about heaven and there's a distinct reason for that. God doesn't want anybody to go there. And he didn't want the angels to go there. He didn't want Satan to go there, but he dug his own hole. So those, that place is prepared for, hell is prepared for the devil and his angels, his minions. Heaven is not a default destination. We don't just go there because we're not going to hell. We go there because we choose to go there, because we choose Christ to go there. And we have to do that. It's a necessary requirement Hell is a destiny for the lost. 2 Corinthians 1, 9. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. Does that sound like something you would want to happen to you or anyone you know and love? That's what happens in rejecting Christ. That's what happens in not making a reservation in heaven. And so that's what we need to do. That's what got me to the gates of heaven that day. I wasn't planning on dying that day, but I was ready when I did. Uh, Albert Einstein is considered one of the smartest people in the past 100 years, 150 years. Uh, He must have been a really truly brilliant person. Back in the days of Einstein, which wasn't that long ago, uh, almost all the travel was by train. He's on a train and um, He's just getting settled in and the conductor comes through. If you've ever been on a train ride, conductor comes through, he looks at your ticket, punches the hole in it, indicating you have used that ticket now, but you have the ticket to show you, you know, that you paid. Einstein can't find a ticket. He just can't find it anywhere, and he's searching everywhere frantically as the, um, the conductor approaches him, and so the conductor says, it's okay, Dr. Einstein, I, I recognize you. If you've ever seen pa- pictures of Albert Einstein, he's pretty recognizable. Uh, He's a kind of a cult figure. He's pictures on everything, and so you know, I'll be back. Just you sit where you are, and if you could find the ticket, that'd be great. I'll be back in a little while. The conductor goes to the other end of the train, comes back. Einstein's still looking for his ticket. He can't find it. Well, he's very distressed by this time, uh, embarrassed, and so the the conductor says, "I'm going to go back." To the back, and then before we get to destination, I'll, I'll come back up and uh, check one more time. He did. Einstein's down on the floor. He's opened his luggage, he's done everything. And uh, the conductor, who's really kind of really feeling sorry for him now, says, Dr. Einstein, you're good for the ticket. I know who you are, and I know that uh, you'll be all right. It's okay. You don't have to worry about it. You're, you, I know who you are. And Einstein says, I know, where I, I know who I am too, but I just don't know where I'm going. And uh, a lot of people don't, they don't. We would stop traffic out here on Fairmont or Red Bluff and you know, point a microphone at somebody and say, uh, are you going to heaven or hell? Uh, probably a lot of people would answer the question. Most people th- would say, I hope I'm going to heaven. They might say that. Some people would be very definitive. Some people would be definitive about hell uh, because of the life they're living and uh, the fact that they know they're just not eligible for heaven by by their choices. So it's a decision that has to be made. And I knew where I was going. Um, I just wasn't planning to die that day. So I want to talk about some details. Heaven, I'm going in now. I've greeted people at the gates. Um, The wall is very thick, I'll talk about the dimensions of heaven in in a moment, Uh, but it's a very thick wall and um, you emerge inside. I could see from the outside because of the brilliance of light that is there in heaven the moment you step into the place. I could see that there was this entrance. It was a small entrance. It was big enough for really, in my opinion, one person because we go in one at a time. Remember, there are 12 of these gates, three on each side of the great city, just like there's 12 foundations, and we'll get to some more 12s a little bit later on. But uh, I'm I'm going in. My welcoming committee has parted. They're letting me approach the entrance. Uh, I'm the new guy, so they're letting me go in first and they're following behind me as we walk through this very thick wall. I could see a golden boulevard down at the end of the the entrance. I could see uh, a river uh, in the distance. I could see trees on both sides of that river of life. I could see thrones high and lifted up, and I could see the most brilliant light of all coming from that place, and that is where I wanted to be, heaven. I think of that old hymn. We sang some old hymns earlier. When all my labors and trials are over and I'm safe on that beautiful shore. See, there's that reference to the river. Just to be near the Lord I adore. When through the ages be glory for me, friends will be there that I loved long ago. Met me at the gates. They were expecting me. You won't sneak up on heaven. Everybody knows it's coming. Joy like a river around me flow. Yes, just a smile from my Savior, I know, will through the ages be glory for me. Oh, that will be glory for me. Glory for me. Glory for me. When by his grace I shall look on his face, that will be glory for me. And it will be. I can't wait to go back and stay, which is what I wanted to do in the first place. So what's heaven like? Well, it's a place. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. If you have a Bible, you might turn to the 21st chapter of Revelation, the, the the rich chapter in the Bible that talks about heaven so much. Randy Alcorn, who wrote a book I talked about last week called Heaven, over 500 pages long, really the the kind of go-to book for anybody who's interested in talking about heaven. And let me suggest this. I hope you keep being interested in heaven. I hope you check out some books. I hope you buy yourself some books. Buy them and share them. Uh, The the Lee Strobel book, The Case for Heaven, uh, the, the Randy Alcorn book. Uh, it's, it's about half of the price that it used to be called Heaven. There's a lot of other good books. Billy Graham has written two or three books. He's, he's got a book, called, really, it's called the, answer, the Heaven Answer Book. And uh, so does his daughter, Ann uh, Graham Lotz. So there's a lot of good books out there that answer questions. Some of them are just question and answer books. So I suggest that after tonight, you keep keep looking. Alcorn says this. He says, the day I die will be the best day I ever lived. Well now, uh, the world might question that, like what does that mean? The day I die is the best day? Fatalistic, is it pessimistic? No, no, it couldn't be more optimistic. The day I die will be the best day I ever lived because really we begin living there. That's eternal life. This, as you well know, is temporary. We're just passing through. It just doesn't get any better than this. I mean, it, it doesn't get any better than heaven. It just doesn't. I mean, think about this. The most ordinary moment in heaven will be greater than the most perfect moment that we've had here on earth. Just the most ordinary moment if there is such a thing in heaven. It's just that good. The cross is how we get there. It's not anything that we do, although we'll talk about what we do and how God rewards that And just... A couple of minutes I was on a talk show uh, with a guy named Hannity Sean Hannity and the guy the other guest on the show was uh, Rick Warren and he was talking about heaven that's why we were brought on the show and Hannity made this remark and he did it just matter-of-factly he wasn't trying to be provocative he said you know heaven sounds kind of boring to me I mean cherubs on clouds playing harps and uh, Warren, who's kind of a big, he just started laughing like out loud, uh, loud. And I, I was going to say something, but I couldn't. I couldn't have been heard over his laughing. And it's continued. And finally, Hannity is kind of looking around, like, where? Do, how do I get out of this? And 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 Warren came to, and he says this to John Hannity, Sean Hannity, you got to be kidding me. You think heaven is boring? I mean. It's the most exciting place ever. There are amazing things going on there. It's not boring. And he didn't say this, but think about this. Sometimes we're so arrogant to imagine that humans came up with happiness and joy that we think are here on earth. Well, if it's that happy and joyful here sometimes, how happy and joyful must it be in heaven where God is the father of all joy and happiness. No, it's not boring. It couldn't be any better. I mean, our imaginations must be pretty, pretty weak if we can't even imagine. That song, remember, I Can Only Imagine? Uh, There'll come a day when we won't imagine anymore. We'll be there. And I I, I promise you, it's the most exhilarating place ever. Let me tick off some things that you'll find in heaven. You'll find a reunion there. Heaven is a great reunion. My family used to have reunions. My dad is one of 10 kids. I have 63 cousins. 63. We rented a park. Uh, There was no house that could hold those people back in the days when they were all alive and we would take the house. And it was wonderful. We got to eat good food. We played games outside. It was great to see each other. And every year the cast of characters would change. There'd be some new ones and some of the old ones were gone. But not heaven. That reunion is eternal. It goes on forever. Uh, Last week I talked about David losing his son and he made the statement afterwards because people were Horrified, how he was going to respond to this death, and he said, "In sense, essentially, it's okay. He can't come back, and I can't get him back. But I will go to him, implying very strongly that he knew the he would know the boy when he got there. It was his, and they would be reunited with each other. I believe that. I think heaven is a great reunion." We will know each other. I knew all the people I met there. In fact, I didn't see anybody I didn't know outside the gates. There were lots of people inside that I had never met, but I don't think I'll have to be introduced to because in heaven, everyone knows. Everyone, everyone. I won't have to say, uh, uh, my name's Don, and your name is Peter, Peter. Good to see you, Peter. I'm thinking, no, no, really, Mary. Mary, you're Mary, oh wow. But I think I'll know her. I think she'll know me. Nothing divides us in heaven, we're all together. More about that in a moment. So we will be reunited with each other. I often get asked, you know, do people in heaven miss me? No, they don't miss you. They expect you. They know you're coming. And in that sense, now listen closely, so you, because I, I gotta get this just right. There's no time in heaven, so they're not missing you. They are expecting you, in an earthly sense, now. You may live for decades, I hope you do. But whenever the time comes, if you're ready, if you're prepared for heaven, they'll be meeting you at your gate, I believe that, because they helped you get there and they it's a reunion, you're home, you're together forever. And so, that's immediate for them. They're not passing any time up there. There is no time up there. No clocks, no watches, nothing. It's eternal. We'll also get to see our fruits in heaven. What does that mean? Well, it means that the things we do here to the glory of God will be evident there. In over 40 years of ministry, I must say, there have been times when I just... I try to pull out all the stops, try to influence somebody for Jesus. In spite of my best efforts, I just didn't seem to be getting through at all. But I have lived long enough that 20 years later, or 25 years later, somebody else will call me and say, you know that guy? And I say, oh yes, I think about him all the time. He just came to Jesus. The fruits. I spoke up here at the Woodlands Church, used to be Fellowship of the Woodlands. And it's my privilege to be there several times. But one time I went and I was speaking and there was a young man behind me as I was signing books at a table like this and a stool. He, He came up behind me and he was wearing the same device. If you were here last week, you saw me wearing. It is hideous and painful beyond words. He's wearing it, he's only 16. He had an accident, he's a baseball player and he will never play baseball again to meet him. In fact, I went to his house and spent several hours at his house because he needed to talk to somebody who understood how to get through this because nobody else did. And we had a wonderful time together. When we prayed, I talked to him on the telephone. He would call me up occasionally and I kind of lost track. Last year, I got a phone call and uh, from a much more mature voice. It's that kid, but now he's in his mid-20s. And he said, I wanted to call you, I'm engaged. And I said, why i am so excited for you? He said, oh, not only that, my, my, my fiance and I just got saved at church, we're gonna get baptized. And I said, well, can you meet me somewhere? I mean, you know, it's Cracker Bell halfway between here and north of can- Conroe? Yeah. Oh man, I went up there and met the two of them, it was unbelievable. But you know, I didn't know when I went, to see this kid at his house who was really hurting emotionally, physically, and all the ways you can hurt, that he would want to call me and say, I want you to meet my fiance. Our fruits will be on display in heaven. We'll find out all the things that God thought was wonderful. You'll see your fruit when you arrive in heaven, all the things that are not wood, hay, and stubble will receive rewards. So it's worth it, everything you do in Jesus' name. I know you're probably looking at some of the film of Turkey and Syria, it's just horrific and unspeakable, and I'm thinking all the people are rushing over there to do what they can. Well, they're not like us, okay. They're humans, they're children of God, they are. Everything we do, in Jesus' name. It's like he doing it, it's him doing it. That's what it is, he said that. So those fruits are on display in heaven, something you may not have thought of. Luke 1:33. his kingdom shall have no end. No calendars, no agendas, no scheduled, no Rolexes, no Timexes, forever. 10,000 years is like a day, bright shining of the sun. No less days to count to sing God's praise than when we first begun. So, our rewards, a reunion. Do we eat there? Yes, we eat there. I have complimented literally hundreds, maybe thousands of Baptist churches over the years that they eat for fellowship because God likes it. And we eat for fellowship. Don't we? Oh my goodness, how many dinners on the ground have I eaten that in the past 20 years? Now, I don't ever get to get any of the food except maybe a helping of hominy or something because that's all that's left by the time I get up there. If you know, if you've been dinners on the ground, you know what I'm talking about. Cuz Aunt Mildred's thing is already gone. Everybody at the church knows that. I'm a guest, so I'm eating hominy. It's okay. Not the hominy, the fact that I'm getting it's okay. <laughs> yes, we'll eat. We will not eat to stay alive. We do not need food for sustenance in heaven. We eat for fellowship. God wants the children at the table. The first thing that happens after the rapture, the married supper of the Lamb. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock, and anybody hears my voice, opens the door, I will come in and what? Eat with him, yes, sup with him, absolutely. And he with me. After the resurrection, Jesus appears to the disciples in Jerusalem in Luke chapter 24. And while they still did not believe it, in other words, the resurrection, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? That whole sentence reminds me of raising three teenagers, because they ask that question every fifteen minutes. Do you have anything to eat? But Luke continues. They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Peter says in Acts chapter ten, verse forty-one, he has not seen. He was not seen by all the angels, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Yes, we'll eat in heaven because God wants his kids around the table. And if you hearken back to the days when parents and children actually ate meals together and have those memories in your mind, you'll know what I'm talking about. We'll eat in heaven. We won't be sick again. There are no diseases, no illnesses. If you look over there in Revelation 21, it's very, very, very secure. We don't have to worry about this anymore. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things that passed away. That is the order in which we live. And now that's gone. It won't exist anymore. We will be in perfect health. Isaiah 35 5 and 6, the eye of the blind will be open, the ear of the deaf will be unstopped, and the lame will leap like a deer, I love that picture, and the mute tongue will shout for joy, there will be no more suffering in heaven, and there's plenty of it here. I was watching some of those rescue people over there dig out a one-year-old or child or a little girl, something like that, and they were shouting Allahu Akbar, you know, Islam, uh, uh, praising Allah, and thing is, it was their child, it was a child, and uh, the child was alive, the child had a chance to keep going when there are so far 12,000 people who aren't, so that won't happen in heaven. We won't be rescuing people in heaven. We don't need any equipment in heaven to rescue people. We don't need to rush them bottles of water. It's heaven, no sickness, no death. One of my top questions, if not all time top questions about heaven is animals. Will animals be in heaven? I was speaking in Dallas at a conference. The three of us, Randy Alcorn, me, and a guy named J.I. Packer, one of the great theologians of the past 100 years. Canadian by birth, but he's got enough degrees behind his name to float a battleship. I mean, he's, he's a brilliant man. He's going to be with Jesus now, but he was there that day, and we were so honored to just be in his presence. He wrote a classic book called Knowing God. I recommend it highly. But he was very personable, very sweet, very loving. Question and answer time, a lady stands up at a microphone and she says, uh, Dr. Packer, this question's for you, are there gonna be any animals in heaven? <clears <throat> he clears his throat, and he's the kind of guy who spoke by saying God, God, and that's the way he spoke. I can't do it, but he's doing that, and he's giving her about 20 minutes on why there would be animals in heaven. You know, God created them and he thought they were good, he said they were good, and He. The first job we had as humans was to name them and take care of them. So from the very beginning, God has been very partial to animals. He liked them right away. But then he created us in his image and, and breathed into us the breath of life and we became a living soul in his image. We have a soul. As far as we know, they don't. I know when they look at you, you're thinking there's something in there. But we don't have any biblical evidence for that. But they're a creation of God. That we do know, and so, you know, Jesus is coming back on a horse, gotta be a stable up there somewhere. So, all the evidence that we have, and it's circumstantial, I must admit. I mean, when the Bible talks about the end of time, it it says that the animals won't even have the same kind of disposition that they had now. The lion will lay down with the lamb, and the bear won't eat the cow, it says. And the lion will eat straw. Well, lions don't eat straw, they eat other animals. Not not in heaven, not at the end of time, because they have a different disposition than they do now. So things will be different. Dr. Dr. Packer gives her 20 minutes on why this is true, and, and, and Randy Alcorn and I are just taking notes. you know we're writing down so we won't forget any of this stuff." And so he gets to the end of it and he says, "So yes, so, madam. Yes, God loves animals. There will be animals in heaven, except cats. Lady was a cat owner. <laughs> sir, sir, did you, did you say there won't be any cats in heaven? Did I say that? Oh, madam, I'm, God loves animals. He gave her five more minutes on animals. And then he got to the end of it, and she's perked up now. And he says, so yes, there will be animals in heaven, except cats. Well, she's so distraught now, I thought she was gonna have to have an EMT come in there and try to help her. And he, he stops and he says, I have been having fun at your expense. And I, I'm sorry about that, but it just seemed like, a, you know, animals are such life, lively people. It just seemed like something. To do. I'm sorry. I apologize. But then he stopped and asked this question. And, you, and this is free. This is, this is from Dr. Packer. You can take this and use it anyhow you want. I thought it was one of the most profound things I've ever heard in my life. He said, Madam, would heaven ever be Less than this, silence. I mean, everybody in the room is going, oh my God. No, I wouldn't, would it? All those guys that have come up after church in Florida and said, uh, hey, is there gonna be any golf in heaven? And I said, well, I didn't see anyone when I was up there. Well, I'm not going if there's no golf. And my temptation is to say, you'll get your wish then. <laughs> no, I don't know lady who waited two hours in line to ask me if I saw Elvis in heaven. And uh, I didn't, but no, no indication that he's not there, of course. Um, that's not my call. But I will, I will say this, heaven's not going to be less than this. If you've got something that you're partial to, that you enjoy doing, you, you, God has given you the opportunity to do it and you would, you would like it and, it, it, it glorifies him in a sense that it makes you happy. And why not? Why not? Heaven's a joyous place. It's an active place. You're not gonna be sitting around playing harps on a cloud. That's just not the way it works. So it's, it's awesome. And, and, and anytime you're wondering if, oh, do they have that? Do they have that? It won't be less than this. Always more, always more. Always, unhindered fellowship. That means we'll be able to walk with God. We'll be able to talk with God. We'll be absent from the body. We'll be present with the Lord. We'll enter into heaven. We'll be in His presence. Those three, or those, those that three times that he says so in verse three of chapter 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. You want to know the best thing about heaven? There it is right there. You're going to be with God. You'll have unhindered access to the great God of all creation. You'll walk with him. You'll talk with him. You're in his place. Oh my goodness, there's been times in 40, 45 years of doing ministry when I've been in a youth camp and we're around the campfire on Thursday night. The camp ends on Friday and we've been preaching all week and teaching all week and people have gotten right with each other, they've gotten right with God and we give an altar call and I mean, Shekinah glory falls down on the place and you could just see people making decisions, weeping and you're thinking, wow, this is it. This is what heaven is like, yes. Absolutely, it's like that. One accord, holy ground. We used to have revivals in church, you know, about the third or fourth night, fifth night of the revival. I mean, we were getting up ahead of steam, and I mean, they give an altar call, and I thought people were gonna do cartwheels down the aisle. I mean, it was just, they couldn't wait to get down there, and you knew God was moving. It's holy ground. That's what heaven is like all the time. It's like that all the time. Unhindered fellowship. It was that good. Indescribable peace, contentment, fulfillment. How big is it? Well, the angels measured it in, you know, not, we, got a, we got an angelic measurement here in uh, chapter 21, verse 15, where it says the angels got out. Now, get this, they not only measured it, they had a golden measuring thing. We don't know what it was. Uh, A rod, it says, a golden measuring rod. Well, they had a rod. I don't know how long that thing was, but it must took a long time because this thing is 1,400 miles long and 1,400 miles wide and 1,400 miles tall. That's big. You know how much that is? Slightly less than 900 trillion square feet. If it had floors in it, it would have 320,000 floors. You know, at 20... The floor so it gives you some idea how big is heaven how big is heaven big enough big as it needs to be now god is not willing that any should perish but the good news is there's room for everyone room for you if you don't have a reservation no church there they don't need a church heaven is church i mean it's it's we worship god we're in his place I mean, that's what we attempt to do here, and and God is with us in this place. I mean, we sing together, we pray together, we read God's Word together, we listen to the teaching of it, we give at church, we do all those things that please God, really, and we see people make decisions in the church. That's heaven. We don't have to make any decisions there, we already made it, but I mean, the reality of it is we're with God. It's a big place. It's perfection. It's that good. That wall I was talking about, 12 by 12 cubits. So the wall of heaven is 200 feet thick. That's two-thirds of a football field. I think there's some kind of football game this weekend, if I remember. So it's big enough. It's big. Really big. You're going to like it. If you're going, there's a high wall around it. You can read there in the scriptures after they do the measuring, they talk about all the precious stones that adorn it. The street I saw was down the middle. If you see it over there when it talks about the 12 gates, it also talks about a street of the city was pure gold. I've studied that and I I hope to study it some more because you'll notice very clearly there in verse 21, it's singular. We talk about the streets of gold all the time. This says a street of gold. But you know there are 12 gates and I assume there's a golden street coming from every one of the gates so there's gotta be more than one street I would think. Nevertheless, that's concrete in heaven, gold. That's the way it looks and the walls are adorned with with precious stones, many of which have changed names since this was listed here. So it's just that phenomenal, it's just that beautiful. Like I said, no church, they don't need one. Let me mention one more thing that is there. Records, take that back, two things. Records and rewards. There are records there, you say they have records, they keep records in heaven? Absolutely, of everything you do and say. Well that's tough. I mean, run back, the, play back the tape of the things we do and think, think, say, do. There's records up there because there will be a judgment that's coming. But the best records, of course, are the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah, that's where we get our name engraved. It's, it's written down, they're expecting us. I have always kind of likened it to a registration book back in the old days of hotels where you, they turn the book around and you write your name, you're registered in this place, you have a room. And if you have given your heart to Jesus, you have a room in heaven. And it's written down there. They're expecting you. You're not gonna sneak up on them. Every time somebody makes a decision here to go there, they have a party. Party? Yes! They celebrate your decision. That's how happy they are that you're coming and they all know and that's why they met me at the gate. They were expecting me. Now, next time I go there'll be a lot more people at that gate, I can't wait. So there's records and then there are rewards. I mean rewards. Revelation 21 says, he who overcomes will inherit all this. We will receive a great inheritance, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Whenever it happens to you on earth, there is an inheritance waiting for you in heaven. The things that you did in the name of Jesus are waiting for you. You will be rewarded from those, for those. Matthew 5:12, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Matthew 6:20 but not lay up yourself treasures, in he- or treasures on earth where moth and dust corrupts them. Heaven, I've heard it said, we have a heavenly safe deposit box. Our, our stuff, our rewards are in there. So there are records and there are rewards in heaven. Two things you may not ever have thought about that are in heaven. Well, I'm inside now, I'm emerging inside, the light is so bright it would blind you. I just wanted to run down the golden boulevard or at least move down it. Sometimes in heaven you don't move. You, you move without moving, it's too complicated. So I wanna go up that hill where those thrones are and fall at the feet of the great God of all creation and simply say, thank you for letting me come. Thank you, thank you. But I never had a chance. I, as I emerged inside the gate, all the music, holy, 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 they sang. I could, smell, I could smell the aromas of the prayers of the saints coming from the throne of God. It's that awesome. And suddenly it all stopped. I found myself in silence and darkness and I wanted to cry out, wait, what's going on? I, I just got here. Never left my mouth. I thought it, I couldn't say it. And I found myself back in that car, not knowing what had happened to me, not knowing who this guy is singing behind me, holding onto my shoulder, and not knowing what would happen the next three or four years as I learned to find a new normal because I would never be the same again. Why? I think it's so I could be here and tell you that it's real. Heaven is real and Jesus is the way. So for these weeks, hope. Jesus brings hope now and later. I hope you have that hope. I hope you feel that hope. I hope it moves you. I hope it is the way you live your life in hope. And I hope that shows to other people who need it because you may be the only hope they have. Have you ever hoped to see Christ? You will there. Have you ever hoped to see the Lord God Almighty? You will there. Have you ever hoped to see death and destruction cease? It will there. Have you ever hoped to see your guilt and shame cease? It will there. Have you ever hoped to see pain cease? It will there. To see, never see a hospital, or a doctor again. You won't there. Have you ever hoped never to see another cemetery again? You won't there. Have you ever hoped to never lose another loved one again? You won't there. Jesus will present us in heaven With no condemnation, we will be presented as holy and blameless and acceptable, and we'll be home. I'm kind of homesick for the kingdom. I may not get to meet you here. You never know. I may step off a curb tonight. But if I don't see you here, I sure want to see you there at the gates. So I'm asking you from my heart to yours to make that decision if you have not made it, to make that reservation if you haven't made it, to anticipate the awesome majesty and glory of the place called heaven, the place prepared for us by Jesus himself. And I'm also asking you to consider who you need to be trying to get in who needs to come to church with you on Sunday, who needs a Bible, who you need to take under your wing and try to help them through a long, dark night, who needs to hear from you, you'll be rewarded. But mostly we just need to do it because we love him. Let's pray, Lord, thank you for these past few weeks, in particular, I'm I'm just truly humbled to be able to uh, stand at the holy desk. It's a it's a it's an amazing responsibility and a high calling. I do not take lightly, but to relinquish it uh, f- from those who are called to do it is a great honor, and I thank them for it. I'm praying, Lord, that it, uh, you will bring to our minds in, in these. These few weeks, and maybe on tape, on the website, wherever people hear it or see it, you will be, bring to our minds the hope that Jesus, you bring. You bring it, you bring hope. Thank you for that. And we thank you for the hope that we need now, and we, we need companionship, and we need comfort, and we need grace. We thank you for all those things. But we're also grateful for the hope we anticipate on that great gift of morning thank you for heaven. I can almost hear the hammers up there. The Carpenter King is at work. You're preparing a place for us. Lord, Lord, help us be prepared for the place. If there's anyone here who's never made that decision, in their heart of hearts, I pray now they will bow and simply say, I need you. I'm never gonna get to heaven by myself. I need a savior, I I need Jesus. Jesus come into my heart. I am a sinner, I'm asking you to forgive me, truly. And then I wanna live for you. I wanna turn from the way I've been living and I wanna follow you until you call me home. Help me be faithful until that day. And Jesus says, if you say it and you mean it in your own words, they're singing your name right now. It's being written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Hallelujah. We'll see you at the gates. And with your heads bowed, think of the people you know and love that are not ready. They may be children. They may be older parents. They may be your best friend. Somebody you work with. Somebody who lives down your street. Could be your brother. You know who it is. Lord, help us help them know you. And Lord, thank you for reminding us that Jesus, you bring hope. (laughs) We offer this prayer in the name of the one who's building us a better place, Jesus Christ, our Lord.